Hello, you are listening to Homilies from Newman University Church, founded by St. John Henry Newman and the home of the Notre Dame Newman Center for Faith and Reason. Have you, in your Christian life, allowed the Word of God to fall to the ground? Most of us as Christians have sometimes struggled with what we've heard, the call that we've been given. And what does it mean that the word might fall to the ground? For we hear that Samuel, in this beautiful story, this one that so many of us have heard so often and love so dearly, the call of Samuel as a child, We heard that at the end, once he recognizes that the voice, the call that he is hearing is that of the Lord, and he says, here I am, that he continued to grow up, to grow in the Lord, to walk with the Lord, and not let a single word of the Lord's fall to the ground. The New American Translation, which I am more used to, and it is fascinating to be praying and preaching here with a different translation, is less poetic, probably less literal, and he didn't let any of the Lord's words go without effect. It may be a good translation, but it's it's less of a fruitful image for me. For how often in our lives have we let God's word fall? How often in our lives have we prayed and thought we know what God was calling us to Have we heard that we are called to a certain way of being, a way of living, a certain response to a situation, and we don't like it, we don't want it, we would prefer others, and we choose not to do it? How often have we simply not chosen to hear? So busy about other things, so other purposes, other needs of our lives or needs as we think they might be, and simply not heard. So caught up with our jobs, our relationships, our lives, our our wants, that we block the voice of God out. Samuel did none of these things, and raised in the temple, raised to hear the voice of God, He heard it always and acted on it always, never letting a single syllable fall to the ground. The people of Jesus' day were searching, hoping, waiting for the Messiah. And when Andrew and the other disciple encountered Christ, encountered the Messiah because John the Baptist pointed him out, they asked Where do you live? And they spent the day with him. And they became immediately apostles, evangelists, proclaiming who he was. Andrew brings his brother Simon. And Jesus sees in Simon a certain strength, a certain resolve, a certain capacity. And he renames him Rock. Peter. And it is in this renaming 
Peter himself must have been searching as well. As well, It is in this renaming that in some way Peter finds himself or is found by God. And he spends his life trying to keep a single word of God from falling to the ground. Each of us has been baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Each of us have gone down into the waters of baptism as we heard and saw Jesus do last week. We have died with Christ, and each of us have come up resurrected. Each of us have said in our own lives, whether we did it personally or we did it through the invitation of our parents, each of us has said to the Lord, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to listen to your word and put it into action in our lives, in my life. All of us have been called by God. All of us have been baptized into the fullness of the body of Christ. All of us are called to act on the word of God as we experience it, as we hear it, as we know it. And how do we hear that word? We hear it in prayer. We hear it in inspiration. We hear it in scripture. We hear it in the teachings of the church. We hear it in that call to be faithful to that which we've committed. It's not always easy to separate out what we think might be the call of God, and that's where prayer and the advice of others is so important. But as we look at the crying needs of our world, the homelessness in our own city, as we look at the needs of those who are separated from family, especially in this time of COVID, but just every day, especially the elderly and the homebound. As we look at those who suffer from mental illness, who walk our streets, who live in homes in our neighborhood, we have to ask, what is our response collectively? But what is my response? And each of our individual responses will be different. But we also know that sometimes this call is far more personal. And isn't that what we hear in this reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians? Paul is speaking to the Corinthians about the choices they make with their physical bodies. And we live in a world, we live in a modern society who find all of the Christian teaching on human sexuality to be old-fashioned, to be broken, to be obsessive, to be fixated. And yet, if we look at the reality of human sexuality today in the world, a world that has desacralized it, a world that has chosen to say it is of no greater importance than blowing one's nose, we see a human sexuality that is often broken, that is often fixated, that is often using and abusing the bodies of others, and failing to recognize, as Paul is pointing out, that human sexuality calls us to a deep relationship, a relationship with someone else, a relationship with God enacted through that relationship with someone else, and it opens the door to us to a deeper understanding of love, commitment, and unity, and oneness, and that it is in the use of our human sexuality that we also participate in the fullness of the body of Christ, 
and that in a, in a line that has been taken out for public uh, proclamation, partly because it's so hard to deal with, to unite oneself with a prostitute is to unite Christ with that prostitute, and that is wrong. It's verse 16, which we didn't read today. Here in Ireland, in a week where we once again dealt with the lingering effects of the role of the church in government policy and heard the report, the government's report on the mother and baby's homes, we see a statement of a misunderstanding of who we were called to be. We heard of the denigration of women who got pregnant out of wedlock. We heard of single mothers who suffered their entire lives for that fact. We heard of children who were mistreated and undercared for because they were born in irregular situations. And we saw that the church participated both through those who ran the care homes, but also through the setting of the, the agenda, if you will, that the government played on. There will be continued reflection, I hope, on the role of these homes in the history of Ireland. There'll be continued reflection, I hope, on the care and the compassion that must still be extended to those who experienced brokenness and shame at the hands of the government and of the church. But I think what I'd like to say today is whatever has to happen governmentally, we as a church need to reflect on who we are and what our role was and is. It is our responsibility to promote a healthy and holy view of human sexuality. It is our responsibility to talk about how true human love, when expressed physically, is a participation in the creative genius of God. It is our responsibility to talk about the depth of human relationship and how it mirrors God's love for us and God's love for the church and how it should be handled with caution, but with with great respect and awe because we touch the very soul of another person and that we begin to open our own being up to a depth of unity that can be found no other place. But focusing on that, we must also recognize that people who find themselves in this situation are often young, scared, many times from situations of brokenness, of poverty. People are raped. People experience incest, often long-term and in their own home. The violations are unspeakable, but we have to speak of them. And we have to turn our minds and our hearts towards care and love of those people who are so, who experience these situations. Not everyone comes from that kind of tragic reality. Sometimes it's just people who make choices and find themselves in a difficult situation, find themselves pregnant, 
without marriage or without a means of support. We must learn to love and cherish and hold that woman, the father, and any child. Hold them as God's beloved children and treat them with compassion, treat them with kindness, and help bring them to a place where all will be well. It is not impossible for us to hold the objective truth that we know, the fullness of what human sexuality is and what we're called to be and who we're called to be with our physical lives together with a sense of compassion and peace and justice for those who find themselves in this place. All of that is who we're called to be when we take up the mantle of our baptism, when we ask for God's wisdom and guidance, when we ask to hear his word on what we are to do and who we are to be going forward, both in the terms of how we, we help those who find themselves in these difficult situations and how we deal with the homeless and the homebound and how we deal with and treat those who are mentally ill, whatever the situation, how we just handle and address the young people in our midst. Where do you live? The disciples asked Jesus. If somebody were to ask us where we live, would they come, come to this place, come to our homes? and encounter the risen Lord? Would they find a place where not a single syllable of the word of God touches the ground? 